0: Welcome to the conversation. This is Christy, and hi, I'm Gretchen. This is Conversations to Connect. You're listening to Episode 29, where we will be continuing the conversation about anxiety in everyday life.
1: Well, I guess I can start because I brought something. (laughs) Always. The the last time, like I just like something comes like across me every time uh, we're going to be doing a podcast, and I thought, oh, this is kind of applicable to today. Appropriate. uh, all right. I'm gonna read this? It is from, um, a friend of mine said this, and it's from a book called The Far Away Nearby by Rebecca Solnit. I never read it, but I like the quote. It says, we think we tell stories, but stories often tell us. To love or hate, to see or be seen, often, too often, stories saddle us, ride us, whip us onward, tell us what to do, and then we do it without questioning. The task of learning to be free requires learning to hear them, to Mm -hmm. question them, to pause and hear silence, to name them, and then become the storyteller. And we have guests here today, and I just thought, wow, how appropriate is that? We started this podcast because we want to hear everybody's stories, and I think that no matter what people go through, there's somebody out there that can benefit from hearing them. 100%. It's a
0: very brave task to come here and take on a podcast. So, welcome! <laughs> Thank you so much for Happy coming. To have you? Um, would you be willing to just say your name and what you do for a living?
2: Sure. <laughs> uh, my name's Shelley, and I am a registered nurse. I work in a procedural area in a local city hospital. Awesome. And you? Yes. um, I am Nicole. I am a
3: medical practice manager in the city as well. I oversee an internal medicine office as well as a preoperative clearance center. So we see lots of things from standard care to surgical sad story so we All cover a lot of yeah stuff.
0: yeah it's so funny unintentionally we have basically like two people representing the medical community mm-hmm. in terms of profession that wasn't even intended but it's kind of, I think it's a great perspective because you both probably interface with so many different kinds of people mm-hmm. and see so much in yes. the different kinds of patients that you're working with or even just the staff that you're working with. Absolutely. Talk about a busy place. So there's
1: always a lot of things happening in any medical setting. I For think. Sure. And they, like Gretchen said, you probably encounter a lot of not so happy people maybe because they're not happy yeah.
0: physically. If we're not feeling good, we're not, you know,
1: performing at our
0: best. Well, and I also imagine a lot of anxious people, right? Because yes. we're talking yes. about anxiety. So could both of you or either of you share about like when you're interacting with the patients that you're seeing? like? how does that present and what is it maybe if it does anything to you like when you're interacting with people that are coming in and feeling anxious or like how does that show up for you guys at work
3: like other how other people's anxiety affects
0: or just how do they present like what is you know what are you seeing or so
3: I think for me sometimes being in an outpatient setting where You know people are coming in just for regular checkups sometimes and they are also sick it manifests in lots of different ways sometimes you can see the physical part of it where you know they can't make eye contact or Mm -hmm. they're fidgeting a whole lot or you know they're trying to talk to you and sentences are very broken up and it's hard to piece things together other times it's sort of more silent and repressed and they may be outwardly angry or you can see that something is just not right and you know going through the motions for us you come in and you talk to the front desk then somebody else puts you in a room and then the doctor finally gets in there and you know the staff will say oh Mr. Smith is not good today and he's just been nasty to me but by the time the doctor leaves there's just some underlying sense of anxiety that's been in there so sometimes for me at least it's easy to pick out and you can see it plain as day and other times it's just upon layers. So yeah. as you, your quote kind of mentioned, everybody has a story. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's right out there, sometimes you need to see it along the way and it just, it comes in all different ways. But those are I think are the two biggest really that I see yeah. often.
1: In that quote, too, that see to see and be seen, I think that when people feel like they're not being heard, they might be, you know, even more agitated or, Mm -hmm. you know, medical stuff is often a crisis for people. So if they're going through something and they're unsure of what's going on, then, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm sure that that comes out.
2: I see a lot of like every emotion, I would say, Mm -hmm. yeah, you know, from like happiness to anger to sadness. Just the other day so I, like i said i'm a nurse in a procedural area so before and after they go into the procedure they're in a holding area yeah so i was talking to a patient and behind me i heard another patient crying so i went over and i said like what's wrong she and she was uh later 40s and she was like i miss my mom. mom like her mom had like passed away three years ago and i like would just stopped in my tracks because like they don't teach you that in nursing school like i didn't mm-hmm. know what to say i was mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. sucks like I I would too yeah. you know so I sat with her and tried to talk to her and distract her but then we have people you know that are angry like just angry about parking check-ins, things. but I think really <laughs> yep. I have to remember like and sometimes they're they're a little bit rude to me yeah. but I have to remember that like it's probably they're just like nervous, you know, they're there mm-hmm. for a procedure. They, it's probably the unknown for them, too. But then also, just the other day, we had a woman who was in her 30s and she got her port removed. She had like overcome her cancer. Yeah. And she had the best attitude, mm-hmm. the best outlook. She had a son that was two, and she was like inspirational. Yeah. So yeah. I have a lot of emotions. I see Seeing
0: just everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How is it for you both? when people are coming in struggling, like you said, this woman was like, I miss my mom. And like, like you said, they don't teach us that in nursing school or they don't, you know, maybe you guys don't get training in that kind of situations, how to deal with those situations. How does that affect you and your ability to work and, or your personal emotions?
2: Well, yeah, there's definitely been moments where I—it's just taken me back to like a situation I was in with my family, mm-hmm. or from my childhood of you know family members passing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like I've gotten teary-eyed. I mean, I've cried with people. I've cried in the bathroom. Um, sometimes too, I think I come home and I can be a little bit like curt and short mm-hmm. with my loved uh, ones, yes. and I don't even realize like whoa, I just. I didn't even like take a minute for myself and then I just unloaded on somebody else. So it can definitely affect passed on. Yes, mm-hmm. it really does. That's
3: the hardest thing I think about doing what we do for a living. And even though it's not the same thing, we're mm-hmm. dealing with the same yeah. types of situations is learning or figuring out how to compartmentalize those feelings and not allowing yourself to translate it. Yeah. It's been so hard. So I've been in the medical field for 11 Years And I've worked all different aspects from management to being a medical assistant and working directly with the physician and the patients and the administrative side of things. So lots of bases covered. But I think patients are most receptive when you are emotional in response to their emotion. Mm -hmm. I think they tend to open up a little bit more and realize they're in a safe space. working in an urban atmosphere and having an office inside a hospital like I do, we have all kinds of people that we see from mm-hmm. high level corporate jobs to people who are homeless that come in, you know, mm-hmm. off the street. And it's you—it's interesting to see a balance because so many times people who have what we view to be all the success in the world yeah. versus people who have literally the shirt on their back having the same struggles Mm, really puts things into perspective Mm -hmm. sometimes for me when I leave work or I'm getting ready to leave work I have to think in my mind you know when you go home you might think you have struggles but look at what you've seen today Mm -hmm. and are yours really as difficult as you perceive them to be or all Mm -hmm. consuming as you perceive them to be yeah Yeah, it's I think that's it's I don't know, for me, that's a big thing.
1: We actually just talked about that on the last podcast about giving back in some sort of way and how that can really help us to be like have some more Feeling, gratitude yeah, for the mm-hmm. things that we do have.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, but going back to what you were saying about training, it's interesting. I have a client who was working in the ICU, and she said that she was not prepared for having her first patient die and that the staff that she was around wasn't very helpful either mm. and that she went home and her roommate wasn't helpful, and she and ended up r- really having some PTSD around it because the anxiety was so bad of not knowing where those emotions could go. Could you guys talk a little bit about what you do for yourself and self-care in, like, kind of stressful situations?
3: For me, I think a lot of, in the situation, I I am not able to yet, I would like to say, pull myself out of that, but mm-hmm. afterwards... I really make it a point to pull myself out completely from everything. I need to go behind a closed door, even if it's just for 60 seconds, Mm -hmm. 90 seconds, Mm -hmm. something like that, so that I can just take a deep breath, Mm -hmm. compose my thoughts, compose myself so that I can be either the best version of myself or the best advocate for Mm -hmm. this person that I'm trying to help, and from a management perspective I not only have myself to worry about, but I have my team of people who report to me yes. to worry about too. So yeah. it's like if I fall apart and I'm the tip of the pyramid, what is going to happen to everybody else mm-hmm. underneath me? And right. it's it's hard. That is a huge missing piece in healthcare, but I think in general in mm-hmm. any sorts of companies or operations, the sensitivity training or awareness training, mm-hmm. whether it's cost or time or Mm -hmm, whatever else. It just doesn't exist anymore. When I was hired at uh, my company 11 years ago, I went through five full days, 40 hours of my IT computer training, and then I had five full days in a classroom with new hires to learn how to talk to patients and to learn what to say it it was truly and I 11 years ago Mm -hmm. and I was maybe 21 22 at that time I'm going to be 34 now I still use and remember those skills that I learned there Mm -hmm. and it's just how do you talk to a patient how like you said when people are not feeling well they are not in a good mood so they're Mm -hmm. not going to be the happiest you can't take that right personally you have to think about what you're doing and I think that's just such a big piece that's 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 missing so but for me it's just trying to really getting like back getting to the original like reset. question is it's yes mm-hmm. resetting and thinking in my head okay how is the best way to do this for myself and for the people around
2: me mm-hmm. and what do I need to do but I need that time away mm-hmm. what
0: about you Shelly
2: um I would say this is a funny question to answer right now because <laughs> Like coming from the other side, I would call it like the frontline staff side mm-hmm, rather mm-hmm. than the management side. I just recently job changed within the hospital because I used to work in the ICU, and now I went to like a procedural area, as I said, like a more like outpatient setting, mm. because I just experienced burnout. Like mm. I was so burnt out. I work started to become a source of stress in my life. Like I would cry before I'd go into work. Mm -hmm. And so this is actually something that I'm learning how to do self-care because I've got myself so burnt out to the point where I'm questioning, you know, should I be a nurse anymore? Should I?
0: Can you talk a little bit more? Because the last podcast that we just did was talking about anxiety and burnout for you. What were those symptoms of burnout? Other than, like you said, I would cry every morning going, but like physically, mentally, emotionally, what was the experience for you?
2: Irritability like not sleeping and then for me when I'm irritable not sleeping I have to work I guess I almost get um like bratty like Mm -hmm. how I interact with my you know my boyfriend my my mom my friends um but then also I feel like maybe like tightness in my chest I'm a jaw Mm -hmm. clencher Mm -hmm. I'll notice I'll wake up and my jaw will be even more sore just feeling like I don't have like, anyone that understands what I'm going through, kind of, or how I'm feeling. Because I'll get myself so wrapped up in my head. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, just about work. And, you know, I, I know I have to work. Like, I, you right. know, I need right.
1: have I'm, I have a curious question. I'll out you real quick on this, Shelly. She, <laughs> Shelly has come to my meditation class. And yes. what is that like when you're going through something so... Stressful, And then you're trying to meditate. Like, I'm just... We haven't had a chance to talk personally about, like, what your experience was with that.
2: I loved the class, the meditation class when I came. I do find that it's hard for me to get myself in a headspace where I can do it on my own. Like, I'm not as disciplined. Yeah. But, you know, I, I try to listen to what you say in the class, and if mm-hmm. I, you know, just like anything else, like you said, bicep curls at the gym, I just have to train my brain. Mm-hmm. So I've tried to dedicate like my rides to and from work. Mm-hmm. That's a mm-hmm. like very great way to sneak
1: it in there. Some people say like even in the shower, like I'm yeah, there. Like, any, I'm, I'm not going anywhere.
0: <laughs> that doubling up on time because mm-hmm. we already have such busy lives that yeah. if someone said can you take 10 minutes? You're like, where? Where? Because I barely have 10 minutes to go pee or (laughs) a minute to go pee. Especially in
1: healthcare. I have a lot of nurses in my family and I just really feel for you guys. And in management positions, you're you're the in-between people. You have the doctors ordering you around, telling you what to do. You have the patients really pissed off at you for whatever reason. And then I have another client who is a nurse here in the city and he said that they have like a side room for like, Mindful meditation, and I was like, "Oh, that's wonderful." He's like, "Who oh, in the hell has time?" it's always empty. I don't eat. I don't pee. You know. So that is, I mean, and when you're your body's on hyper arousal like that, anyway,
0: of course, symptomatically you're going to be anxious. So have you found, Shelly? Have you found things that you can do at work? I mean, obviously, moving to a lower stress. Hmm type of job has, I'm sure, has helped, but since being there, are there things that you have done, like, at work, or other than, like, the morning time, or things that benefit you in managing...
2: I would say I'm still like in the process of figuring it out. I will share that I also see a therapist um, right now. So that's something we're working on. She said also like take 30 seconds or 60 or 90 to myself and just breathe. Go to the bathroom and do that. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll carry like a lavender roll on my, you know, (laughs) my pocket to put on my arm. Mm -hmm. But no, that's something that I'm still struggling with.
0: But those are all good things. I mean, like taking, like you said, doubling up on time, engaging your senses with like the smells and the lavender and just, it's so important because even if it is just a second here, 10 seconds there, it's better than no seconds. Yes. Sure. So that's definitely
1: Absolutely. good. When I think about therapy and what that does, oftentimes people are coming in in a state of crisis, yeah. like something big has happened. People, Most of the people don't say, oh, I think it'll be a good time to like learn about myself. But the <laughs> process about learning yourself, like you said, it it is a process. You have to try a bunch of different things. You have to see what works for you, yeah. throw out what doesn't. But then that journey becomes what we talked about at the very beginning your story how do you use that to help others and I think that you're both in a position where a lot of people are struggling and can benefit from learning the things that you're learning sure Mm
3: -hmm. I think that sometimes too with the self-care piece of it and taking time for yourself especially in the day and in what we do there's such a high demand for our presence that for Mm -hmm. me guilt and anxiety Mm -hmm. go hand in hand very much Mm -hmm. and it's like okay Even though it's only 90 seconds, Mm -hmm. which may seem like the blink Mm -hmm. of an eye to somebody, is can I justify taking 90 seconds away from people who need Mm. me to do what I need to do for myself? And that is so hard. And that's one of the biggest things that I've been Mm -hmm. trying to work on at least myself because mm-hmm. I'm sure you know how it is when you've got like Gretchen had mentioned it when you have a doctor asking you one thing and you know a lineup yeah, of patients yeah. and you're the in-between you're the one that's expected to make this all work and it doesn't when it doesn't you've got 10 sets of eyes that are like Shelly what are you doing right rubbing your oil again like we don't have time for this you know it's so hard and you feel like oh I can't even do this like then the anxiety starts to build and that's coupled yeah. with the guilt and so for me, that has been a, it's a hard thing. I think for everybody, it's mm-hmm, a hard thing. Mm-hmm. But how do you work through that? I just.
0: Well, I think this is huge. Like, not only do you see this at work, but who experiences that in their personal life with relationships?
3: Oh, every day. Everybody, yeah, right? Every day. So like. <laughs> well, and
1: you're you're at a high level of experiencing that, Gail. Like, anybody who is a nurse or a helping profession, a teacher, uh-huh. a counselor. Yes. Like, we are the helpers. We are the ones that are always sacrificing that time. And really not. <laughs> it is so interesting once you do the self-care and you feel better you really do have more to give but it's working through that guilt oh my gosh
0: well and it's hard to get wrap your head around that which is Uh if I take 90 seconds for myself even though it is true that is 90 seconds that I am not giving to somebody else but if I'm taking that 90 seconds to kind of like refill my cup Mm -hmm. then like Christy said I then am better prepared I'm more calm Mm -hmm. I'm better to handle Mm -hmm. stress and anxiety better like I can go into that patient room, or I can go and talk to that doctor, or I can go and talk to my spouse or my child or whatever, and be in a better mental space to be present and to deal with whatever is coming. But it is a really hard struggle, and most of us initially get into that habit of ignoring our own needs and putting other people first, especially if you're a helping professional, if you are a helping professional. but also just in life like I know lots of people that are not helping professionals that do that in their day-to-day lives or in their work or whatever you know what I mean like front office staff you know like I'm just a secretary and like I do all of these things for all of these people and I don't have time for myself and all of that kind of stuff so it's overwhelming for everybody yeah when you're trying to run on empty
3: It is, it It is. It doesn't work,
0: it doesn't work. What are some of the things that, so we talked about like what you do at work. Are there things that you do outside of work that help you manage stress or anxiety or any other emotions? But I mean, that's kind of what we're focusing on. Yeah.
3: For me, it's definitely exercise or some sort of physical activity that really clears my mind and is dedicated time for me Mm -hmm. to either be in my own head or to take out any sort of aggression or anger or good feelings, bad feelings, whatever they may be. That's huge for me. It's just some sort of movement and it can either be a class or even walking my dog outside alone Mm -hmm. without my husband, without my son, by myself just to kind of wrap my head around or like you have mentioned about the car driving to and from yeah. there are days where I drive mostly home from work because to you know <laughs> clean slate whatever <laughs> in silence I don't even listen to the radio mm-hmm. I don't answer my phone I turn it off I just need that 15-20 minutes to be alone in yeah. silence without a soul a person yeah. anything asking me a question or having an expectation mm-hmm. so for me those are the two big ones yeah
1: that's what i I like the four seven eight counting breath so i count in for four i hold my breath for seven and out for eight and do it like i will purposely turn off the radio and Mm -hmm. say this is five or ten minutes dedicated where i'm not going to be doing anything else it's it's a good practice to have Mm
2: -hmm. yeah um like i said podcasts on the way to and from work have mm-hmm. really helped me um and then actually recently i've realized on work days when i leave work and i'll call my mom or my boyfriend i'm ending up like in an argument with them or snapping at them mm. and then i get home I shower and then i just have guilt and then i call them back and i say i'm sorry <laughs> that i did that yeah. but you know i'm realizing as and as i'm learning like that's kind of not okay for me to do Mm -hmm. so I I've I've tried to like watch my patterns more and so and also with working with my therapist she helped me to realize like it's okay to not call my mom after work just like say hey mom I'm kind of irritable after work I'll call you tomorrow or maybe I'll send her a text Mm -hmm. so realizing it's okay to not call people and Mm -hmm. then exercise helps me as well and journaling is something I try excellent
1: in a previous podcast, we talked about a lot of unhelpful thinking styles. Yeah. And I think that sometimes these can come about because of anxiety. So, if we could, Gretchen, do you have the paper?
0: <laughs> oh, if we could touch on the unhelpful yeah. thinking so styles. Yeah, so I
1: can think of like uh, catastrophizing, jumping to the worst case scenario, and then you're already in it before it's even happening. So, black or white thinking, there, it's got to be this way or this way. There's no kind of like gray in between. So if you guys could just kind of like take a look at some of these unhelpful thinking strategies and is there
0: any that are kind of your go-to's? Because here's the thing that we said before, we all do all of these, (laughs) right? (laughs) So I don't, I always tell people when they look at this, don't be like, oh my God, there's something wrong with me. I do every single one of them. We all do. But what usually happens is we have ones that we go to more often. Like you might look and be like, yep. I definitely do the shoulds. Like, I should be this. I should be able to work without taking breaks. I should be able to manage this. Like, I should not feel how I feel kind of thing.
3: Well, I can start because two immediately. (laughs) Uh, To the beginning for me is definitely the shoulds and the personalization. This Ah. is my (laughs) fault. They quite clearly go hand in hand yeah. for me mm-hmm. for me for sure. Personally my family has gone through a tremendous amount of medical issues yeah. in the last probably like three to five years maybe longer than that. My my brother was diagnosed with a chronic illness when he was around 10 or 11 years old and we're only two years apart so that was something you kind of grow up and mm-hmm. you learn to live with. My father was diagnosed with a rare blood cancer and went through a bone marrow transplant two years ago. Mm. And my mom is a caregiver for both of her parents who are 86 and 88 and have not been doing well for quite some time to throw in another wrench. I so live... there's a
1: lot of people with a lot of needs. A lot of people with a lot of needs, <laughs> yes. and I
3: live five houses away from them all. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So it's a blessing. Yeah. It truly is, but can also be personally a be yeah. a giant stressor because you feel like setting a boundary, a healthy boundary, whether you need it or not, is not okay. Because I'm right here. Yes, Mm -hmm. absolutely. The guilt piece and people struggling or seeing them burn out or them, you know, not make healthy decisions for themselves is, for me, I look at it and I think, oh, I should be doing more. Or it's my fault that this person is not mentally doing Mm -hmm. well. Just from the standpoint of feeling like I'm okay, I can do this, I can conquer this because I'm right there. But yeah. sometimes you just have to step away mm-hmm. from okay. that. And when it's, it's hard enough in life at work, but when it's yeah. family and it's people you hard. love and care about, the yeah. amount of layers that are added on to that are just crazy. And they're so oh, complicated.
1: absolutely. And my anxiety would manifest like that too. Like somebody would ask me to do something and I would always like think in my mind like, okay, if I change these two things that I was supposed to do, I could probably do it. And then for me, it was coming to the realization that maybe I was keeping people from using other resources, and mm-hmm. always being somebody's go-to mm-hmm. is not healthy for them, and I'm like, oh, well, if I can help them mm-hmm. by doing that, that somehow <laughs> it's excuses better, it or right? makes it better, so. Sure. Mm-hmm. I
0: actually just had it this past week, so like Tuesdays and Wednesdays, I work really long days. I work like 11-hour days, almost like a nurse's shift. And I got home from work around maybe like 8 30 or 9 or something, which is typical. And all day, my husband had been sending me messages like, oh, my feet are really sore. Like, just sharing, you know, but like, needs, right? Like, Mm -hmm. my feet hurt really bad. And he's like, I don't know what I did to my lower back, but like, when I bend over, it hurts. And I'm sitting here at work being like, okay, so when I get home, I need to make sure that like, I rub his feet so that like, cause I know that like, his feet are really hurting him. Like my feet have been really hurting me. I know like I've been doing this and it's really been helping me. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to do this for him and it's really helping him. So I get home. I haven't eaten and I immediately go to him and I'm like, how's your back? How's your foot? And he's like, it hurts. And I was like, well here, bend over. Like I can massage your back. And he's like, no, I'm okay. Don't you want to eat dinner? And I'm like, oh yeah.
2: Oh yeah. Okay.
0: Right. And then I was like, yeah, I'll heat this up. How's your foot? Do you want me to like rub it for you? And he grabbed me and just said, I'm okay. Go eat. Take (laughs) care of yourself. And I almost cried. Like, yeah. Because I didn't even like we get so again, especially me, not just because I'm a helping professional, but like this has been my entire Mm -hmm. life. Is I have always been like, I'm fine, what do you need? Yes. Yes. Like, no, I'm fine. What do you need? I can do this for you. And to have him say that and to be in a place, because he's not always in a place where he can say that, right? right. I'm not always in a Given permission to yeah. take care of yourself. That and he was like, it's fine. I'm good. I'm going to go sit on a heating pad. <laughs> <laughs> you eat your dinner. And I did. I told him, I said thank you in that moment, but then like the next day I actually sent him a message and I just said, I don't know if you know how meaningful that was to me because I have a really hard time myself getting out of that mental space of setting boundaries at home. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty good at setting boundaries at work, setting boundaries with friends, although sometimes I cross them myself too. Mm-hmm. But also at home with my kids and my husband, it is really hard to do what sure. you're talking about. And, the, you know, I can't even imagine if I lived five houses away from any of my family members. <laughs> I mean, I probably would be a, in a crazy hospital. So I can't even... But yeah, so that recognizing that is just so difficult yeah
3: it is it's really hard and i think a lot of practice for me over this past probably two years i would say has been feeling comfortable enough to verbalize that to yeah. these people mm-hmm. and say look this is not good for me but it's not good for you either we right. cannot keep doing this mm-hmm. and there's been a- anybody
1: get mad because sometimes people get mad um and for their own re- like Disappointed that might come out as, like, irritation or something
3: uh, yes, but for a very short amount of time. Exactly. So it's kind of That's like, important. you know, you could see mm-hmm. the frustration yeah. or, like, maybe anxiety or right. where is this going Yeah. kind of look or feeling coming from. But once I was able to sit down and explain it, and I try to, especially when it's people that are that close to me. Mm-hmm. I Like, okay, here's my emotional being. I'm sitting right here. I'm going to pop my brain out and put it right here. Now, what would my brain say to the rest of me sitting here? That's a good visual. When I am having this conversation with someone I care about Mm -hmm. and I always try to preface it by saying you are doing x y and z that is so much for all of these people and I see this happening it's happening for me and I see it happening Mm -hmm. for you and I'm worried about both of us because nobody is going through this alone we're all invested in this we're all going Mm -hmm. through this together that seemed to be the most successful for me not easy conversations by any means has taken lots of lots of pep talks to myself (laughs) saying okay this is the time we need to pull the band-aid and we just have to do this because we can't keep going on like this and it's been really an eye-opener I think for my whole family and you know I love them all dearly and we do for each other
2: without Without question but the
1: less opportunity there is for built-up resentment there is doing this and i have to do this. there
3: is and so many little tiny things like simple little things that you wouldn't think would be affected like this holiday season would be a perfect example my family has always been tradition we i'm a big italian family we cook all these things we have this big presentation like this and you know when health starts to decline or you know situations start to shift sometimes that's not always possible mm-hmm. and there's always been that push that we still have to we still have to yeah and that was like my big breakthrough i felt anyways this year is yeah. some of those things we just we didn't do and anymore and that was okay it was okay
1: i was gonna say and here you are two months later and you're
3: still here. Yes, and it was a wonderful time, and there yeah. were comments that were made and by everybody mm-hmm. that had said like this was so much better. Yeah. I feel so less stressed. Yeah. We could really enjoy our time <laughs> together, and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like do I a <laughs> like, Yeah, but I mean, it's hard, but, but it's I,
1: work to get there.
3: It oh. is. It's you have. I found that if I allow myself to remain comfortable. I'm always going to be unhappy.
2: Mm. You
3: have to make yourself uncomfortable, at least me anyways, no, to push through <laughs> that to get to a point where I'm happy with me and then everything else thrives and the more i'm able to see that result the easier it is for me to be like you know we're going to talk about this right now right like i'm calling this person and i'm just going to say it and whatever happens is what happens but we have to go there and
1: i always say you should be able to say anything from a compassionate place like if you're saying it to be a jerk like that's not really nice but if you're like hey this is really how i feel like nobody can deny your emotional experience
3: and if it's someone that truly cares about you uh, they're receptive to that. Yes. They really are. It okay. might be a tiny bit of hesitation, but I. it seems like people are receptive if they truly are a person that yes. loves you and values your place in their life.
0: Well, and it's risky, right? Yes. Like, it's risky to make that change, to speak up when you maybe never have before, mm-hmm. to say, I know we've been doing this for my entire life, but I don't want to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. And even though it's family, because... What if I dis what if they're disappointed in me? Right? So we start then that unhelpful thinking of what if, like, I'm a mind reader, I know exactly what they're gonna think. They're gonna think <laughs> I'm a horrible person, mm-hmm. they're gonna disown idea. me, yeah, yes, they're gonna yes. disown yes. me as a child and kick me out of the house. Right. You know, and, and
1: at the core of that, I'm just a bad
0: person. Mm-hmm. Right. And so getting over that initial fear mm-hmm. takes a lot of strength
1: and, and causes
0: a lot of anxiety. And it can cause a lot of anxiety, mm-hmm. but not like you said, staying comfortable, which it's really making other people comfortable mm-hmm. right continuing <laughs> yes. to make other people comfortable means that i am living in a constant state of anxiety yeah as opposed to i'm going to communicate what i need i'm going to set a boundary i'm going to ask for something and it might be super anxiety producing in that moment but then once it's over like i can breathe mm-hmm. regardless of how the other person responds I mean, hopefully they respond in a good way. But if they don't, then we know. And it's like, do I want that kind of person in my life? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do I want to continue to have a relationship with this person? Who doesn't care that me putting them first or not having a boundary causes so much problem for me? I don't. Yeah. Agreed. Shelly, anything jump out for you
1: from the paper?
2: Well, I would say all of it. I know that's a lot to, I know that's a lot to say, but um, I am basically in the phase before everything you guys just talked about. Like, this is what I just opened myself up to, what I'm just realizing the work I need to do. So for me, my little backstory is that my dad passed away when I was younger um, when I was nine so I am just realizing now that I still have like remnants of that Mm -hmm. that is it like I never dealt with and I didn't know I didn't deal with it Mm -hmm. um and then my mom my relationship with her I've realized is not that fulfilling or is as fulfilling as I would like it um because I think I never set boundaries with myself because Mm. she doesn't have boundaries with herself or with other people Uh so I've never had it modeled for me Mm -hmm. but I'm learning now that I'm an adult like I now have to take responsibility and and do the work like you said so I'll get like close to doing the work and then I'll back down Uh because I'll think well (laughs) it's hard and I I also have this other component because I just have my mom I'm very Sensitive to her. Yeah, and I have two older sisters that I've always said like I'm nothing like them But I think what I'm realizing now is is they've set boundaries like a long time ago mm-hmm. And I never did and I'll I'll think they're harsh to my mom But now I'm realizing they just have healthy boundaries. Yeah, and I never set them My mom and I are very codependent on each other and I'm seeing that even now in my personal relationship so I'm, I'm working on that because I I now I'm at the point where I can feel myself be codependent. Code I can feel like I can feel my unhealthy habits. It's almost like I I'm sitting there eating a bag of chips and on you're the
0: couch. like and I'm eating a bag of chip. and I know it and I'm watching <laughs> myself. <laughs>
2: but that's, that's a, a huge step. Yeah. That's a step mm-hmm. in you know because
0: do you you remember a time when you didn't even realize you were doing it? You right, were completely yeah. unaware. Mm-hmm, yeah. And so they're all important steps in the process to taking good care of yourself, and better managing your anxiety, because you can't address a problem that you're not aware of. So awareness is the first step, and like you said, it's part of the process, absolutely. And how many times, I'm sure all of us, were like, I have to say something. Okay, when they come in through the door, I'm gonna say something. Okay, no, next time. Okay, (laughs) right, and it's like, I'm going up to the line, and then no, 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 not yet. And then I'm going up to the line, and no, 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 not yet. Eventually, you're gonna go up to the line, and you're gonna cross it, and you're gonna set a boundary, and you're gonna communicate. But sometimes we need to have that, like, I'm ready. No, I'm not. I'm yeah. ready. No, I'm mm-hmm. not. Okay. Wait, what do I say? Okay. Yeah. You, you know, I'm <laughs> like, give yourself I so many top. people yeah. say like,
1: that sounded great. Can you just come with me or All write, the that time. <laughs> yeah. write that down? Write
0: that down. Those words I want to use. It's so much practice. Yes. Right. And I think too, I know that people have said that to me in therapy. Maybe you've even experienced that with your therapist. Like, can you say that to this person for me? Because yes. that was something <laughs> that we've had, to, I, yes. again, not comes naturally years and years and years. Not only education. And it's education. easier when you're not in it.
2: Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: But also, not just education, but like personal experience. Like, I've gone yeah. through the same thing that you both have talked about, where it's needing to communicate, especially to family members, and it's really hard. Mm-hmm. We don't want, most of us, don't want to intentionally hurt anybody. Mm-hmm. But if we don't set boundaries, we're just going to con- constantly be hurting ourselves. Sure. Shelly, can you, can we revisit, you were talking about
1: being codependent and how that leaks into relationships. And I can totally personally get that. And when I work with people who have these tendencies, it's like, no, 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 that's a, a dirty word. I don't want to be codependent. It means I'm bad and all of the things. It's like, No. It means that you have a kind and giving heart and you want to give to others without setting boundaries and you'll notice that some relationships are not healthy for you because when you set boundaries that person doesn't accept or like it can you talk a little bit about what your experience is thinking that you're codependent in relationships?
2: um I guess I can almost smother somebody like in everything, like I'll need to know how they're feeling, what they're doing, mm-hmm. and I almost blur the line of I become a part of them. Mm-hmm. And I think I can see it now in the past relationships. I've definitely lose myself, basically. So there, there's that, and then. Is your
1: partner right now supportive of you making changes and learning
2: things about yourself? Yes. Yes, yeah. that That's so for the fun. first time I have like the support. But in in that being said, I also felt like there were times where I'll tell him he's very curt. That's mm. the word I use. And but mm-hmm. really it's just him having a boundary mm-hmm. and like sticking to his boundary and kind of yeah. saying, Hey, you're crossing that and I get very offended. And so then I'll kind of almost get you're like personal. childlike. Yeah. And and bratty and I, I guess too I've learned with all this, like I don't I don't know what my what I need. But there are times Mm. where he'll say, I don't know what you need. And I'm realizing, I don't even know Mm. what I need. So that's what I'm trying to, you know, take a moment and be like, okay, what is happening here? So, for example, with, like, work days, as I've said, like, I've come home from work and walk through the door. And, like, it's a matter of just, you know, something over dinner. We'll get into a fight. Mm -hmm. And then it'll turn into, like, this all-out emotional experience for me. Mm. And I'm... I have said to him I, I need you right now he's like I'm here you know I'm here for you I'm like no I need you but now realizing through like like opening myself up to all of this stuff I'm realizing I should have just come in the door and said I need you to give me 10 minutes of attention I had a really long day can you just sit with me so yeah. it, it's learning to better communicate mm-hmm. those things so important
1: when I work with couples, I tell people all the time, people aren't mind readers. Is mind reading on that? Yes, mind reading. <laughs> and um, so a lot of times people are like, but I shouldn't have to tell They should know. They know me enough, blah, blah, blah. But there's a real difference between somebody saying, I need this, and somebody saying, no, sorry, or
0: being like, oh my gosh, I didn't know. I can totally do that for you. Well, and we're going to tie back because this is so important. That is also two unhelpful thinking styles happening at the same time, <laughs> which is usually what happens. It's the shoulds. And it's the mind reading, Mm -hmm. right? So I think I know what you're thinking, and so you should know what I'm thinking. Mm -hmm. It's making assumptions about, oh, I already know what you're thinking. And I always tell people, ask. (laughs) You really don't. Unless unless you are a mind reader, you really don't know what they're asking. The shoulds gets us in trouble because we say things like, well, they should know what I'm thinking. And if we replace that should with, I want them to know what I'm thinking then it's like, oh, well, do they? Right? It allows us instead yeah, of, like, like, Shelley said, do I? Yeah. Do I, I don't <laughs> want to think, Right. Like, glossing over, or they should know what I need. Mm-hmm. Right? I want right. them to know what I need. OK, well, if I want them to know, I have to tell them. And in order to tell them, I have to know what I need. Do I know what I need? What do I need in this moment? And so we can't change. And it changes.
1: It does. It we can't, can't be like, every time when I come home, I need 10 minutes of attention. And then
0: it will drive you crazy on the days that you don't. Right. You're like, right. why are you coming and talking to me? Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what's so crazy about those boundaries, too, is, is that they constantly are changing. Like you said, they're not the same all the time. They're flexible. So there are days when you're like come and talk to me because that's what I need. I need connection. And then the next day he might come over, hey babe, how was your day? Don't talk to me, I need 10 minutes, leave me alone. (laughs) Everything is different. It's always changing.
1: And that's that's, the one thing
0: you can count on. Life is always changing. Mm -hmm. That's why, why life is so hard, or just like being a human is so hard because we all just want it to be like, okay, what are the rules? What? Yeah. (laughs) And it's the same every day? Excellent. Perfect. Awesome. And it's not. It's different moment to moment. It's different every day. Things are always changing. And it's hard. Yeah. How about you for your personal relationships?
1: And we've talked, how about friendships? Because friendships aren't your immediate family or the ones that are dependent on you. Yeah.
3: Friendships is a hard one. For a very long time, I kept very distant in having or allowing any close, close friends. Partly because I think I'm not always the best communicator. And definitely in my younger years was not Mm -hmm. a very good communicator. But it's hard to let people in who you know will have a raw judgment that don't have to love you. Mm -hmm. That's very hard. So now...
0: It sounds like also anxiety producing. Well, it is. It is.
3: It's almost easier to like think, okay, I'm going to go this alone and I don't have to stress about that kind of a thing, you know? But in entering into my 30s, I've come across a group of women who are super close to me and have kind of broken down those barriers and I'm going to get emotional because... It turns into like a family. Yeah,
0: it does. And yeah. it's
3: hard to allow people who were once strangers um, to see that part of you, mm-hmm. um, particularly when you work very hard to be a pillar, mm-hmm. a source of strength, mm-hmm. and then people who are okay with seeing you crumble and are there to pick you back up.
2: Yeah.
3: And you know, you don't have to
2: be with those kind of people. Mm-hmm. You know.
3: Um. So for me. It's been the opposite of kind of anxiety producing mm-hmm. in a good in a good way. But they've, you know, forced me to grow, forced mm-hmm. me to be uncomfortable in good ways. But I think I've only been able to get to this point because of that team of people. Yeah.
2: So. How did you find them?
3: Um, exercising. <laughs> 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 yep, exercising. And then you, like, see the same faces. And, right, you, you know, do. You see the same faces, right. And it's kind of like... I like to think that we all sort of gravitated towards each other because not <clears throat> not going through similar circumstances, but all in that similar season yeah. or stage of life, yeah. we kind of have, have come together and it's like, okay, you see the same people each time, you share a little bit. They share a little bit and you're like, hmm, mm, that okay. Wasn't so bad. That wasn't terrible. <laughs> and she still said hi to me the next week. You know, that kind of thing. You know, you get comfortable and Or she asked me about how I was doing the next yes. time that I
0: saw her. That's or him. Yeah.
1: That's but because cute. as adults it's very difficult to put yourself out there in vulnerable situations and
3: meet new people. Well, it is, and you think at least I think I don't have time for this like I have all this other stuff going on in my life I do not have time to build another relationship with another person who has a laundry list of problems like I'm just being like honest like that's hard it is hard but when you find the right people and you learn enough about yourself or they call to attention some things about you that you Mm -hmm. might not have realized out of a good place you're like huh she was right about that. <laughs> right? And now, look, like, so, you know, like, certain mm-hmm. things that they would do for me, I would start to really think about, and and how I interact with them mm-hmm. as friends, and how I interact with family. And I'm like, well, look at that. <laughs> I shouldn't have been doing this all along, and here we are. So, I mean, lots of positive, yeah. positive growth, but.
0: Well, I think, you know, obviously, we're all women, so we can only speak about female relationships and friendships, but growing up as women, as teenagers, We know what it's like to have friends, quote unquote. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that for me at least, and you can agree or disagree and let me know, but that was something that really got in the way of me being able to have strong female relationships later on in my life because of the backstabbing, of the competition, of the, you know, and so it was anxiety producing because... I had to hide myself. I couldn't be authentic. I couldn't show up the way that I am because I was too much or I was not enough for some reason. And so the unhelpful thinking styles fueled those fears of I'm Mm -hmm. not enough or I'm too much or whatever. You know, I'll just put on this mask. I'll be this other person or I'll play this role. For me, I was always the funny friend, like it was safe if I was the comedic relief. And so. Being authentic in relationships for me has been really difficult because I'm like, well, shit, if I'm not funny or if I'm having a day where I'm just like, I don't want to do this. Are they still going to love me? Mm -hmm. Are they still going to accept me? And finding people who do that is amazing. But also, again, takes a lot of work because I have to completely change my framework for how I view friends and other women Mm -hmm. and myself that like, Forget this. I need to just be authentic and be myself. And if they don't want me, bye-bye. Mm-hmm. See you later. And that's a huge mind shift coming from, like, teens and 20s into my 30s. Was well, and from,
1: the, like, the anxiety codependence standpoint, it's like, oh, if this person doesn't like me, no, they need to. Everybody needs Everybody. to like me. I need to be, like, I Have need to be what every other yes. person yes. needs. Yes. And that is anxiety-provoking because we, don't, we can't be that. And I think... My career helped me yeah. make that shift to be like, I'm just not going to be the right therapist for everybody. And that's okay. For sure. Because sure. I want people matched with the people that can help them the best way possible. And my way, unfortunately, isn't always the right way. But that's, that, that, that's, even that's, that's hard.
0: Aside. I mean, you and I can share that. And like having yeah. a client contact you or be like, yeah, thanks, but I'm not coming back. Oh, oh my gosh! You know the first couple times that happened, it, you do. Like we've talked about it personally, where I've come to her, or she's come to me. Like I messed up, I messed up because they don't want to come back, and like this, that's not about you, right? It's and, and
1: maybe just coming through the door for that person was a huge, yeah. step, And they're not ready to deal with things, yeah. or maybe there's an aspect of my personality that triggers something in right. them. Like it's about getting comfortable with who you are and saying that's right I'm okay with who I am that's a lot of work so I commend you both for taking it on because like shell you said that you're really early on in the experience and from listening to you talk I think you're further along than you think and I think you probably have a really good therapist just even talking about these things is a huge first step
2: Yeah, and well, even this subject also, I personally feel steps behind you guys. Uh, Like, that's something I said this year, I want more fulfilling friendships. Mm. I have friends that I've been friends with forever, and I love them. I I feel like I rounded a bend where I can see how... Sometimes you're just friends with people because you've just been friends with them for so long. Yeah. Like, uh-huh. versus, like, actual, like, do they get me? Do they understand me? Yes. Do they And who I you? am now. Because I yeah, know who I was, was, was 10 years ago. For sure. Right. So, I just went on a girl's trip last weekend. Um, I met some nurses working in the ICU, and we were just talking when we were there, and I said to them like I just feel you guys don't judge me Mm -hmm. you know sometimes I'm neurotic spastic (laughs) silly and you just kind of let me go and if I'm like kind of causing you chaos like my one friend was like I just had to walk away cuz I saw you were getting anxious you were making me anxious and I said no I think that's great that you walked away because sometimes I'll almost like further spiral because right if you feed into it yes Mm -hmm. so it's inspiring to hear this stuff like if I do the work it'll it'll pay off because I kind of have been feeling like I do try to just please everybody and, Mm -hmm. and I've always been liked that's something about me and I've not that I pride myself, I just I functioned on always being liked. Well
0: who doesn't yeah. like being liked?
2: Yeah. True. Yeah. You know? <laughs>
0: true, right. I just and even if it doesn't you hate, hate not being liked. Yeah, if you haven't true. watched yet, whether you're a fan or not of Taylor Swift, her she just released a documentary yesterday on Netflix, okay. kind of just talking about this exact thing, which is she lived her entire life trying to make other people happy. And so as long as everyone else was happy and they were telling me, good girl, you've done well, you make good music, you've made me happy, I'm proud of you, she was like, good. So she did nothing for herself and everything for other people. And again, especially as women, I think that is a huge message that we receive growing up and have a really hard time parting with, like what it looks like and how freeing it can be, but also anxiety producing to tell someone, no, I'm not doing that. It's like, you know, but then again, when they're like, all right, fine. And accept it. You're like, what? Really? It's, it's okay. Okay. It's so true. You know, and then it's like, just again, making that first step of actually doing it and being like, oh my God, this is going to be horrible because they're going to hate me. And there might be people that do, but also being willing to let go. Of those people and let go of those relationships and allow things to change Mm -hmm. can be really healing too. Yeah. Were you anxious about coming on? That. (laughs)
2: Yes. (laughs) Oh my gosh! Yes.
1: Yes. Yes.
3: Anxious until the button clicked, and even after the button clicked for a minute. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't so bad, right? No. This is a
1: safe space, I hope, and for people to get, like, talking about it. And I like when people, like, write to us and they say, like, this has been helpful or this is something that I'm interested in learning more about. We're always looking for ways to, like, make connections, because we are so much more alike than we think. Than we
0: are different.
1: Our brains tell us, yes. you know, separate, separate. I like this, I don't like this. Yeah. This is okay. But if we learn to, like, merge all those things, and maybe everything's, like, neutral, like, we can start to be more present in the moment. That's what my hope is.
0: Yeah. Well, and the irregardless of likes and dislikes, our experience is often a mutual experience. So the experience of anxiety or the experience of relationship issues or whatever. You know, how many people come in and just say like, am I crazy because I just want to please everybody? And I'm like, no, you're totally normal. Like Everybody no,
1: wants to do we're that. All, like, says- All the work is never done. We're always somewhere in the middle. So if we can look to the people that are a little bit further along than us and we can look back at the people that are a couple of steps behind, like that's really useful for our own growth too, more than we like give ourselves credit
0: for. That's why I think friendships are really important. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, ladies, for coming on and being willing to share uh, your experiences and your thoughts. We really appreciate it. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to conversations to connect with Gretchen and Christy. If you like our show, want more information and want to connect with us, go to our website at www.conversationstoconnect.com and follow us on Instagram.
1: We hope this episode has given you some useful tips to create meaningful conversations in your life. If you feel like you would benefit from talking with a therapist, one resource is www.psychologytoday.com or you can contact your insurance company. See you next time.